Organissima New York. Your exotic skin, hair, and beauty source, and your one-stop shop for all your natural and organic skin and hair care. Featuring authentic organic Moroccan oil and prickly pear seed oil and much more. Bringing you only the best straight from the source and proudly produced in the USA. So what are you waiting for? Shop today at www.arganissima.com. Arganissima, New York. Your beauty is our duty. Welcome back. Uh, last Friday of the month, uh, Hurricane H here. You are on the iHealth uh, channel as well as iHealth Radio. And we are live. This is Climb to Your Prime with Dr. Han, the one and the only. You're looking at him, and he's all the way from Tasmania. So it's it's the island, I guess, just southeast of Australia. Am I getting okay. that right? <laughs> yeah, you're getting that right, Hurricane. So right, uh, Australia is about the size of America, but it's got this island underneath it, and the island is part of Australia, and we call it Tasmania. There you go. Well, I mean, that is the the future. So how's the future looking so far? <laughs> so the future today is looking a little bit overcast, still warm, and a beautiful, inviting day out here in the country. Yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. Well, listen. First of all, I you know I know that you do uh, travel. I mean, normally we're used to your backdrop and the live Sydney Bridge, and uh, you're not there. You are away, but you're doing this because you do the work that you do and help you know around uh, different places and and really bringing your expertise to people who need it everywhere and uh, even through the show. So first of all, I want to just thank you for what you're doing and congratulate you again for all the work that you do out there. So. Thank you, Hurricane. It's wonderful to be on the show. And thank you for hosting the show. My pleasure. Uh, and uh, again, it is yours. It's not mine. It's It's got your name on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but it is live. We are live, folks. So again, this is a live interaction. So we have uh, the chat. You can chat with us, uh, live YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, and uh, Twitch, uh, Twitter. So anywhere you want to connect with us, you can. You can also call the number that's on your screen. Uh, that's also available, or you can just put your questions right now. And we do have some questions that we're going to start the show off. So again, it is live. This is your opportunity to talk to a an expert uh, in the psychiatry world. And uh, you don't get always to do that. A lot of people may not want to go <laughs> and ask because it's just what it is. But we have him here and he does this. And, and he's really dedicated time and an hour uh, to do this for you. And we've had great shows, great answers over the last two years already. I think that's, you know, we're like wow. season three, really. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, so it is it is happening. So please feel free to join us again. Call 732-332-8493. And, uh, you know, we're here for you. Now, that being said, doctor, welcome, 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 as always. Um, so we can have diversified questions. I have a bunch of them, but we also will talk. I mean, it's January, February is known to be Valentine's Month. And, you know, there's there's love in the air, that kind of thing. But <laughs> we had, I do have one question. And we can talk about that also. I know you're working on a book about all that relationship and stuff. So we can yeah. maybe touch on that. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with the first question, which has nothing to do with love. <laughs> Maybe it does. I don't know. <laughs> so the first question say, states, uh, what is the psychological take on religious disbelief, knowing that the majority of people have some sort of faith base? How does a person's psyche work to determine the unseen and the non-material world? Mike, L.A. Okay, so uh, Mike, what a great question. And I actually like the way that Mike phrased that question. So what's the psychology of disbelief rather than the psychology of belief? So Mike's stance is sort of saying, okay, let's take the given, which is with the majority, uh, because we know that the majority of people do have a faith, whatever that is. And actually that atheism or not having a belief is the minority, but it's a growing minority. So... <sighs> There's been a lot of pitting of religion against science. 
And we do have the studies to show that scientific theory, things like uh, Darwin's theories of evolution, have actually uh, contributed to the decline in faith in a God, okay? But let's go to the word belief first, because we use this word belief and it means so many different things that we've got to clarify a few things. For example, if we're talking about this phenomenological world, so what Mike calls a materialist world, um, belief is, do you believe that the sun rises in the east or do you believe that the sun is 93 million miles away? Belief there in science or belief in evolution depends on our take and the evidence. So there are a few things that we call scientific facts, a few things that we call scientific laws. Like we're pretty certain the sun's going to rise generally in the east every day, depending on where you are. But when we talk about a theory, um, most scientists will accept the theory of evolution, but it's called a theory because although the weight of evidence shows its validity, we're not certain, all right? And then we get hypotheses or speculations. Uh, and so we talk about things like the theory of a multiverse. Now, uh, the multiverse is this idea that this is not the only universe there is, that we're part of an infinite number of universes, the only thing is we don't have any evidence for that as yet. So the theory makes sense, but the evidence is lacking. So the word belief there is how much do you believe the evidence? Okay. And that all has to do with the scientific world. However, when we're talking about God, uh, an afterlife, or different aspects of God, a Hindu aspect of, of gods, or the Muslim aspect, or the Christian aspect, we're talking about things that we can't see. So the word belief is a different meaning there. And you can actually believe in science and have your own faith belief. So there are plenty of scientists that are atheists, which is a belief system. There are plenty of scientists that are Christians, Muslims, Hindu, and so forth, because they're two separate worlds. And then there's the world that I work in, uh, Hurricane. This is the world of psychiatry. And we're working with beliefs, but these are subjective beliefs, beliefs that are only worthwhile to the person themselves. So in my practice, I've come, a lot of, uh, come across a lot of people who say to me, I am nothing but a worthless piece of crap. Now, I know that sounds strange and it's negative, but people believe this. So the same word belief comes up. And so if you believe that one side of politics should be in or not, again, you're not looking at evidence and you're not looking at anything to do with a, a world outside of our material world. You're looking at a subjective world as to what your opinions are. So the first thing I'm saying to Mike is that uh, there are three different um, ideas of what the word belief means. And so we don't actually need to have a debate about science versus religion because science and religion coexist and they actually pertain to different worlds. Science is this material world. Religion has to do with a belief system about a world we cannot see or experience. So, Mike, you can quite happily uh, believe what you want in those areas. The science is there to build up what we call a common belief in the material world so that we have a, a language and we understand each other. It's in the belief of an afterlife where there's less agreement. And in the world of opinions, there's even less opinion. Uh, there's even less agreement because we all have our own beliefs. I hope that goes a little bit to the way of explaining some of the things that Mike might have been talking about. Well, I mean, I, I'm assuming it does. I mean, it's pretty, it's a lot, it's a big subject. And, but I do have, you know, some, some comments to add just to that. I mean, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we live in a world of over, I think we just hit over 8 billion people or something. Yes, we right? do. <laughs> so, so the number just went from seven to eight. That's a lot of folks, right? Yeah. But, but, but I think the majority of those folks are, have some sort of a, uh, a belief system that, that is, uh, faith based. Uh, and you mentioned a few yes. Christianity, yes. Islam, Judaism, Hinduism, all that. And then, and then, uh, you have a smaller percentage, I would say, uh, if you look at the numbers, that is, uh, uh, the rooster is on, 
<laughs> you're in the background here. I love right. that. I love that. But so, so, and you have the folks that make, like you mentioned, scientists, and some of them are Scientologists. They don't believe in in the standard faith. They they, they use science. But you know, the interesting part is that I, I can tell you. I mean, at least from my perspective, and um, I've done some religious study, you know, a few back years back. You know, even in the religion realm. Uh, there is science. And as a matter of fact, there's a lot of scientific, you know, uh, pieces that can attach to the religion, uh, revelations of books, if you want to call them that way, right? Yes. Uh, in yes. the case of, of the, you know, the, the Judaism, I think even Christianity, as well as Islam, there is a lot of verses, for example, things about creation and and, and many things that apply cur- currently to the, today with science. So there is there is that mix. And sometimes it could be almost a tool to, to, to get to the unknown, right? Because to your point, yes. you said it. I mean, not everybody believes in hereafter and what happens because nobody came back to tell us <laughs> yes we know that yes. but it's it, it, the idea of fate is to be blind i mean you don't have to see it to believe it right i mean yeah that's that's what it is and uh i think that's where the majority falls and uh it it creates a lot of conflict sometimes unfortunately because you know your believers is mine mine is better than yours and we get a lot of the, <laughs> a lot of those debates and yeah. creative and we've seen it over the history wars and even current you know in times it is amazing how people can, although we are the same, our humans, uh, yeah. we, we, we pertain on the same earth. We have, you know, pretty much the same aspirations in life and, and so on and so forth. And even the beliefs, they're not so different. I mean, maybe yeah. the, the way they work, but, but at the end, there's, there's an almighty being uh, that, that anyone that believes in some sort of religion has that, that feeling and at least that faith. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not generalizing. I mean, people have their own opinions about that, but uh, again, I would say the majority does. And so, so at the end of the day, I mean, the disbelief part is, to your point, is a belief in its own. <laughs> and, well, you know, that's, that's right. So, so, so let, let's let's pick up on that idea of disbelief because that's actually what Mike uh, talked about: the psychology of disbelief. And um, so, uh, Hurricane, I, I sort of outlined three different areas of belief. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one way of looking at it is if there are 8 billion people in the world, the idea of science is things that we can all agree on. We all agree that there is a sun. We all agree that this and that. Okay. Um, Faith-based belief, there are probably 10 or 12 major systems of faith-based belief. But when it comes to subjective opinions, there are 8 billion different subjective opinions and these all overlap and in a way you were talking about that area between science and faith-based beliefs and yes things are not neatly in three categories there is an overlap between each one and i'm going to relay a personal experience to sort of um uh just illustrate this so um uh, we lost our mother just uh, just a few months ago okay my father Sorry. He's no, that's, but this this is life, and my father keeps asking the question, "Where is she? Where is her soul?" So he has a belief in the soul, and he is very disappointed that science has not understood what the soul is, and nobody can scientifically tell him what a soul is. And the reason for that is a soul, if it exists, exists in the area of a faith-based belief, so outside of the here and now phenomenological world that we're a part of. And so the the idea that we all have a common belief is in a sense true too, because if we go to a place like uh, uh, Jung's archetypes, now Jung is a psychiatrist of the early 20th century that said there is something in the stories of all of humankind that is pointing to something really fundamental, so the idea of, uh, of a father or a mother or a child, this is fundamental to humankind, and it's not just got to do with reproduction. It's got to do with the meaning of life. But to cross that, uh, I have to cross from science into faith-based belief as to what that meaning actually is. And yet we all get to develop our own meaning of life too, and that's where the 8 billion different opinions of what belief is becomes very important because each of our individual lives add to the whole story of the human race. Thank you, doctor. I know in previous 
chapters of episodes, we've talked about the chemicals in the brains and things like that yes. in terms of some of the, the drivers behind a lot of things and behavior we do. Is there yes. any connection whatsoever between those and the way we believe systems? I mean, I, I, again, just a curious question for me. <laughs> okay, okay, great, great question, Hurricane, because uh, when I talk about brain chemicals, things like oxytocin or yes. adrenaline, dopamine and, and GABA, we're talking about science. These are things that you can actually find and see under the microscope, okay? However, in my profession, when we talk about a mind, uh, what your mind is, what your personality is, what your experience of life is, we can't put that under the microscope. We can't even correlate it to the brain. We can say that certain activity uh, takes place in certain places and certain other activity causes this brain chemical but all that we know is that we all have a consciousness. Now, we don't even know what consciousness is. We can't see it. We can't um, hang on to it. We can't study it. But there are a bunch of philosophers, basically called phenomenolo phenomenologists, who said that the whole of life is actually not science. It's not out there, but it's our experience of life. And as a psychiatrist... Um, I can see the truth in that because we all experience life. So somebody like Mike, who um, I assume has a faith, has a different experience of life than somebody who perhaps does not have a belief. So the psychology of disbelief. However, they are both experiences of life. And so they are all part of this greater human journey, whatever that is. Thank you, Doc. And by the way, I I, I want to just do. <laughs> it is it is deep. But but one thing I know you mentioned something about uh, the example of uh, multiverse and and you know also you the 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 case of the soul and and, and the consciousness, and you know the, in the quantum uh, physics and and that world in its own. I mean, uh, there is a lot of discussion around where that kind of tie in, where this world is not what we think it's an energy uh, right. there's, there's a lot more and we can yes. i mean from physics we can we know quarks and ions and all these things yeah. and you know the sub sub particles and again you get into the quantum world i mean you could potentially perceive all that potential of having and also time is relative so you can also think about all those things as real uh, yes. And I don't think that debates in religion, because I think even religion can determine some of that to an extent, depending yeah. on how you how deep you go. Um, and so there's that. And and again, the soul, uh, many, I mean, I, from the Greeks back in the time, I mean, they, they had what they referred to as the ghost in the machine, for example, which was yes. who is running this vehicle, right? <laughs> the yes. avatar yes. that we look at, you know, today. Yes. And I think that's that's really who's potentially experiencing this life. I mean, it's nothing different from when we dream, for example, right? I mean... You are technically out of this shell, but but you have a shell. I mean, you do see yourself in a, a different vehicle or body, and you have interactions. I mean, again, I don't want to get into that one, but but I just intriguing since I have you right now. Maybe what is what okay. is this? What is that part of it? I mean, what? How do we kind of compare this to lives? I mean, it, it is you feel alive in those dreams. Yes, you do. You do. Okay, so I am going to get into it a little bit because. Um, some thinkers have said something about this, and it goes a little bit further into answering Mike's question about the psychology of disbelief, okay? Because when we dream, you feel that you were in another world, that you actually experienced things, that you have gone on some sort of a journey. And from the scientific point of view, uh, we do not understand why we dream, but we can explain dreams under different um, frameworks. However, when you get a preeminent uh, cosmologist by the name of um, uh, Martin Rees, in uh, 2004, he wrote a book, Six Little Numbers. And what he said in that book was, you know, the, the idea of this being a random accident where these amazing numbers uh, that are relevant to each of our lives just fit so that life can actually exist it's a bit like standing in front of a firing squad of 21 people and they're all loaded and they all miss and they try three times. We need a better explanation than just saying it's random. So he said, um, so either God exists or we are part of a multiverse. And as a scientist, I'm on the side of the multiverse. Now, I was a bit disappointed in that because as a scientist, I believe the thing that he should have said was um, we are either part of a multiverse or God exists. 
And as a scientist, I want to see which one comes out on top eventually, right? So what I'm pointing to there is a bit of the psychology of disbelief. There's a psychology embedded in science, and I'll explain that in a sec, that basically is God is not allowed to be the answer. Now, the reason for that, uh, and we go back to the 17th century, early 18th century, uh, and we're talking about the Royal Society in London, where these scientists said, hey, we, we're going to discover this world. And one of the ways that we're going to discover this world is to make sure that because God wanted it is not the answer. We have to look beyond that. Otherwise, we will not learn anything about this world. So it is part of the fabric of science to not see God as the answer. But psychologically, and this is answering Mike, uh, this has led to a situation where it's almost expected that scientists do not have a faith. And of course, that, that just isn't true. Francis Collins, for example, you know, has a, has a great, great faith, and a lot of scientists do. Now I'm going to turn to Aldous Huxley, who in the 1940s made a choice for atheism personally because it meant that he could enjoy things in life without taking responsibility for them, okay? Because the disadvantage, if you like, about having a faith in a supernatural being is that you believe that you are answerable to something outside yourself. Whereas in atheism, you are answerable to yourself. And to be able to take that responsibility and move forward, uh, we get into a whole question as to maybe the culture that we are living in at the moment is still sitting on the foundation of basically faith-based systems rather than science, and we're moving towards science. So maybe I, I'm unpacking too much here, Hurricane. But no, um, no, no. Thank you. I mean, it's it's deep. I mean, we can spend a whole hour more in, on this topic. I mean, there's there's always that. And and again, I mean, at the end of the day, you I think you you said it best is that the fact is, when you do believe in a, in in the Almighty and the higher being power, uh, God or depending which which believe. I mean, I think we all agree of of the one nature of it as being the Creator, and then the rest of it is how we call you know uh, our uh, creator that's that that varies from religious to the other but but the idea is if you do commit then now you have to commit to all the rules and regulations that come with it and i think as a humans we don't we'd rather be free willies and do that and, and in the belief systems or at least the major religions you have the free will to pick and choose how you want to live the problem is the question that always remains in religion well you're all gonna die where you're gonna go from there and that's the question that no one has been able to answer well today. okay Okay, and, and just to bridge science and religion a little bit, I want to go to Einstein's belief in God, because Einstein believed that God exists, but he believed in it. Okay, so he explained it as uh, Barach uh, Spinoza's God. So a God that exists but is not personified is more the sum total of all the energy of all of us together so that we all are an expression of the part of God, be it an energy or a, um, uh, a overriding force, and we all contribute to it as well. So rather than there being uh, rules and regulations, as in the major um, faith systems, he saw that our whole experience of life adds to the expression of this grand thing that we call God. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I'm, I'm listening to you, but it almost sounds the opposite of how it is stated in, 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 in the, you know, the main belief systems. Uh, yes. I mean, really, it's, it's the creator right. who actually breathed into Adam. I mean, if we believe in creation, his, you know, from him. And then therefore, that's, that's how we become. And that's our energy. And that's our soul. So it's kind of like the complete side, you know, opposite okay. of it. But, but that, yes. that's amazing how, how this is how it is today. I mean, we're into this where there's these extreme, uh, I guess, views of what that is. And, and yes. it's, that's always amazing as a discussion. And sometimes it's even uh, critical because people get very offended. <laughs> oh, oh, yes, yes. And, and so I want to tie this back to science and back to my role as a psychiatrist, because the uh, discussion we just had, there is no evidence for the discussion that we had and some of the thoughts that we expressed. So Einstein's belief uh, there's no evidence for his beliefs, uh, but he knew about evidence, right? So the scientific point of view is always about the evidence. 
And as a psychiatrist, I rely heavily on scientific evidence. Yet, every individual that I meet and I work with has their own belief system in this area. And that's why I actually quoted um, phenomenology as a philosophy that sort of says, whatever your experience of life is, is very important. In fact, that is part of your reality. So I actually take this into account uh, whenever I'm working with somebody, because if you have a faith-based system or not, makes a very big difference to how you experience life. I would agree. <laughs> I actually concur. I mean, uh, as I personally, I have a religious belief and I also, I, I'm very big with science and I can, I combine both actually in terms of my lifestyle and, and I can, it, it is that's just me personally. I mean, again, that, that's my own views, but, but it is, it is an interesting, you know, realm. And, and I mean, again, we could talk for hours about this. So, so I'm going to move on to the next question because just in the interest of time, I think we spent almost half hour on, on the topic, which, which is good, but uh, are we ready for the next one? And we're ready for the next one, Hurricane. This is, I think this is going to be like one of the key questions you probably answer all the time. And, and uh, it's very simple. What is narcissism and how to deal with a narcissist? Jack, New York City. Jack, <laughs> narcissism. <laughs> all right. Narcissism is uh, one of those buzzwords today. Uh, and what I believe about that is there are a lot of people that get very hurt in relationships. And uh, when somebody selfishly wants what they want, they tend to get labeled as a narcissist. And um, how do we deal with narcissism? And look, Jack, it grieves me how much hurt there is out there, uh, particularly in relationships. But let's unpack narcissism a little bit. All right. Uh, this is going to be very unpopular, what I'm about to say, Hurricane. Unfortunately, it's the case. So we all know that we exist. And the brain actually organizes the whole world around our individual existence. So that actually means that even for the sake of survival, we are all by nature selfish. Now, Jack, what I'm saying here is that there's a part of us where we're all narcissists, all right? <laughs> Uh, well, okay. I, I, I think that's validated. I mean, yeah, I think everybody watching, listening, is probably can agree to that extent to a degree. It's just how we behave about it. I think that's the difference. But I'll go, uh, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. That's true. That's true. So it's, no, no, that's exactly right. It depends on how we handle it. Now, let me go to the other end of the spectrum for Jack and talk about a scientific, validated, psychiatric diagnosis that's called narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder. And this is a personality that is characterized by grandiosity, uh, being special to other people or thinking that you're special to other people, selfishness, arrogance, and basically all the things that we know come together in what we call narcissism, right? And the question is, when does somebody become an actual narcissist? So according to the DSM, which is like the psychiatric Bible of diagnoses, it's when your life goes badly because of your narcissism, all right? So let's take a lawyer who's a great lawyer, who does fantastic work, who's earning a lot of money, all right, and um, can be a bit offhand with people around, put people off, but that person is not a narcissist if they are functioning well, okay? However, if this person becomes a judge and thinks that they're the center of the universe and puts people down and their wife and children don't speak to them anymore because of their attitudes, then that person's function is going down, all right? And so that person may seek help and get the label of being a narcissist. Now, the good thing about the label is that it describes what needs to be rectified. And once people actually go, oh my gosh, I'm just too narcissistic then they know what to work on to get on with other people again. Now, Jack also asked how you handle narcissists. And uh, the internet is full of uh, a lot of how to handle narcissists. But the one thing that I'll say, Jack, is very carefully, very carefully. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I do want to, I mean, thank you, doctor. And, and uh, you, you mentioned it, you know, I think you cautioned us about it and it's real. I mean, we all have to face the reality that we all yes. look up for number one. That's always us. And I think that's yeah. where that comes in. And I think the highest level of humanity is when you sometimes 
sacrifice for others or do things for others, you know, yes. beyond, you know, being you number one. I mean, we yes. see that in the, the relationship, like a lot, we're going to talk about love today, but we see that in family, parenthood, you know, even in with animals, you know, there is that, that, that sense that sometimes you do more for others. We've seen that in tragedy yeah. and disasters. So I think we are better than, than just that. Sometimes we, we elevate ourselves to, to the higher, you know, level, despite yeah, the fact just- that we all have that. Yes, that, that's exactly right, Hurricane. And in fact, um, I just want to speak to that because you talked about altruism, which in a sense is the opposite of narcissism. It's when you will actually sacrifice yourself for the good of others. And, and often people look at nature and we see this idea of survival of the fittest and we think it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. But it actually isn't. There's also another side. And this is the compassionate side of nature, if you like, where penguins will sit on an egg through cold winter months, risking their own lives for that egg, where gorillas will risk their lives for their troop, where female kangaroos will put up with heavy joeys in their uh, in their pouch all the time, where human parents will put up with toddlers having tantrums and becoming teenagers and basically sacrifice a lot of their lives for the sake of children. And we all do this. This is part of our innate nature as well. So to balance our narcissism, we have altruism, which gets expressed in love for each other. So it's amazing. I mean, we have both, you know, uh, I guess elements. It's just a matter yes. of where do you balance it. And uh, But that's the hard part. Balancing is always going to be the hard yes. part. I mean, and, and, yes. and again, depends on circumstances. Some people go one way or the other. Uh, and... Uh, there's got to be a, a middle ground. <laughs> I think that's the hard one where everybody needs to somehow uh, wind up. I mean, so again, I don't know if there's a, a tool that that in psychiatry that's used to to, to maneuver and kind of guide people towards that medium, the, the middle ground. I don't know if that's even a possibility. Okay, okay now you're touching <laughs> upon things that uh, that I we have put in the book that we're coming out with, ah, and the okay. way to look at it is uh, is this way: in any relationship that you have. Uh, let's say partners, two people together, right? Uh, Altruism is the things that you do for the other person and it preserves the relationship. But selfishness are the things that you do to preserve yourself in that relationship. Because if we didn't take care of ourselves in the relationship, then another person can kind of take over, right? So to, to have an equal relationship, you have to be yourself to match another person. So that, in a way, is the balance between selfishness and altruism expressed in a relationship. And, and that can go for any relationship, parent-child, uh, friendship, mentoring relationships, work relationships, and more. Thank you, Doc. Uh, <laughs> I, I didn't intend to, to, to start the discussion about the relationships, but I guess we're there anyways. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip to the next question then. Um, and this is like, you know, the... The bad outcomes of relationship, well, at least that, that's what this is referring to. So the yes. question is, why is divorce at a high and increasing rate? Whatever happened to Till Dead Do Us Part? Samantha, Florida. Okay. Uh, Samantha from Florida, thank you for your question. Uh, because one of my interests is couple relationships, uh, I do see a lot of relationships that go sour. Um, and... That's actually hard to see because it causes a lot of pain. And as a psychiatrist, I know that we we all actually crave love. We crave acceptance. And we need that as a good base to get through life because the world is uncertain. Uh, and Samantha, less than 1% of people will go through life without being in a relationship. So what I'm saying with that is relationship is a huge issue. It's a big issue for all of us human beings, and we want our relationships to go well. However, there is a positive spin to the high divorce rate. Now, that sounds a bit bit weird, I know. But it means that if there are people who are unhappily married, they can separate easily, which means that the people who are married, who are together, they're probably a whole lot happier than people were in married relationships 60, 70 years ago, although we we don't have the evidence to say that categorically. But it means that if you see people in a relationship, they're doing something right and they're actually enjoying themselves. Now, the interesting trend, Samantha, is over the last couple of years, it looks like the marriage rate and the coupling rate, so people staying together in relationships, 
is actually starting to grow. So we may have gone through a period of human history where we got all excited about the freedom of being single, but now we're realizing the cost of being single and the benefits of being in good relationship. And perhaps we're starting to move towards, you know what, relationships are hard work because even if you're in a good relationship, it's hard work, but the benefits are worth it. And in fact, the meaning of life may be found in a relationship. So Samantha, there's there's a whole lot of different uh, reasons for divorce rates being high. And it does differ across the world uh, in different countries, although the overall trend has been for divorces to go up. But for example, we value marriage in gay couples now, all right? More than 30 countries in the world have acknowledged this, which means that we're starting to value relationships, okay? Just that little bit more. So there's always hope. And the hope is that we will value our relationships. Thank you, Doc. So so I just wanted to to add something, well, to ask uh, and add just a, a little comment that came to my mind. So yeah. historically, I mean, I've, I've seen, uh, I mean, I travel a lot. And, and one thing that I've seen, especially in cruising, is a lot of seniors that are literally married for 50 plus, you know, I mean, I've seen yes. even over 60 years uh, that are, you know, in, in a relationship and they, they seem to be happy and they made it. I mean, at the end of this 60 years is 60 years. It's, yes. it's a, it's a multiple lifetimes and, and they made it. And that's, you know, that's, that's awesome. But, but is there any correlation to the way we, we live today? For example, if you look at the early 1900s or even prior centuries, there was no like, real dating as we have it today and things like that you yeah. could not possibly you know be accepted when you actually get out of the house and, and just meet the other you know party and just have your own life you know before marriage right before you have some sort of a uh, an official you know uh i guess engagement and so on and so forth and family's approval uh that's changed over the last few decades and so yeah. therefore and then we see all this i mean is there any correlation because i mean it seems that the ideology behind it is that well you cannot possibly because there's a for example i can speak just of, of my own belief and i mean in, in where, where in islam there's that's not allowable it's not permissible where you have to yeah. so the idea is that to date and stuff is really frowned upon and therefore yeah. historically you would you know you'll get an, an arranged marriage or even if you like someone it's not like you cannot be with that person until it's all official and so and i'm not going to speak about the other religions i think they're very similar in a lot of ways uh but but at the end of the day uh it's that's one practice and then the other practice was like, well, we don't want that because we want to get to know each other and spend enough time with each other. Therefore, we're going to be happier. But but yeah. yet yet the, the outcome is not actually mentioned. So does that mean that the other way was correct? <laughs> what is that? I mean, what's what's the conclusion? I mean, at least what's the psychiatrist you know version of that? Yeah. Okay. That's that's a really good question. So we do have studies that show that the more religious involvement people have, the longer they stay together or the lower their divorce rate. And that's that's a, that's a robust finding. And, um, okay, what I wanted to say is when you see people who have been together 40, 50, 60 years, it's wonderful to see that. But often people make the assumption that they've had an easy ride or they were just compatible. Um, we have interviewed over 1,400 people and a good relationship is a lot of work to keep together right? So I, I just want to say that it's not been an easy ride for those people who've been together 60 years, uh, but full credit to them because they are living the dream. All right, back to, back to your question, Hurricane, that is there a correlation between uh, the world that we're living in? And the answer is yes. And there are two things, social media and consumerism that pull against relationships. Uh, now, this is a huge area, but I'll just give a couple of examples. Uh, so in social media, uh, we actually have studies to show that uh, the more time people spend on, um, on a screen or using social media, the higher the chance of their divorce. We actually have studies to show that nowadays couples spend more time watching um, a Netflix series uh, and they spend less time having a sex life right? Uh, so basically, if you are on a screen, it means that there's less time for the person right next to you. Uh, aside from all the things like it's easier to meet people, we all have private phones, whereas before when we had phones just per household, it was much more difficult to have clandestine relationships. Uh, 
All right, but the other thing, and this would almost lead us to Valentine's Day, is that there has become such a consumerist element to relationships. And unfortunately, Hurricane, happy couples spend a whole lot less money than unhappy couples. Because if you start dating somebody new, you've got to look good. So you need a, a wardrobe. OK, you need makeup. You need shoes. OK, you've got to go to restaurants. You've got to impress, which means gifts and everything. Whereas a content couple, they actually go out less. They actually spend less on their clothing. Right. And they have other things going on in their mind, like a mortgage rather than dating. So they will actually put money into the mortgage rather than going out on a date night every so often. So unfortunately, there's an inverse relationship between consumerism and um, longevity of relationships. But that's a very long bow, okay? We need a lot of science behind that. Still, people can make their own decisions, Hurricane, which is what I, as a psychiatrist, always encourage. Well, thank you, doctor. And, and it's amazing when you, you talked about, I mean, uh, it, it's so true when you said about the idea. Oh, I love that rooster, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's on that. He's a, the rooster is a guest also. On the show. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but but so, I mean, I, I, I'm here right now. I want to be where you are. I mean, I'm sure nature is beautiful there. So. Oh, that's right. The rooster knows that Valentine's Day is coming up. <laughs> He's see. a happy dude. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's true, truly what you stated about the idea of, no relationship is easy and um you know I, people always have different arguments and so on and so forth it's just how you you go about it and you know it's funny because when when i watch these shows on on their ships you know and they call the marriage uh you know happy marriage i forgot what they call them now but it's about marriage um uh, love and marriage i think that's what they they go by and and yeah. they ask the 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 older you know group or, or i would not i'd say like the ones that have been married the longest yeah, typically, like you know, the male will say, uh, "Just she's always right." <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and you know what? Th what that indicates not because she's always right. I think the approach is that you know, okay, I'm not going to argue, and I think that that makes it a lot easier. I think the problem is when European versus mine, and I'm I'm an alpha, you're an alpha, and we all both go head to head to it. That's not going to work. So there's a give and take, you know, momentum that that takes place, which changes the dynamics. If I'm not agreeing with you i don't have to argue with you i can just take a walk or take a deep breath i mean we have to agree to disagree i mean to 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 agree to disagree kind of concept right yeah so so i think that's that change but but you're right there's no such thing i mean i've been married 20 years i, I know you've been married you know a while so it, 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 it takes work and again um you wonder if you're going to make it to the next 20 but but you actually yeah. got to make it work i mean as long as you're committed to it yeah, uh, so Hurricane, one of our key findings is that each couple actually does it differently. Mm -hmm. So because each couple uh, is made up of two individuals that are unique, the relationship is going to be unique. So um, a rule like she's always right or I'll just do whatever he says, uh, that may work for some couples, but it doesn't work for every couple. Uh, but there is a general thing that, um, let's say in, in arguing, Pick your battles, all right? You don't have to argue about everything, all right? But sometimes you have to stand up for yourself. Otherwise, the person is not in relationship with the real person. So you've got to be there. You've got to be there as a person, and it's give and take. That's another major finding. It's give and take. It's the only way that altruism and selfishness works in a relationship, give and take. Well, Doctor, I know previous shows, I think you mentioned something about uh... – there are simple ways, and I, I still remember what you said about you don't have to argue about things and facts that you can Google. <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember that. Actually, I used that right. concept. So it's it, it's true, and I I literally applied it too. Like you know, there was one time we had a discussion. Uh, it was my it was my kids, but you know, listen, you don't. I, I don't have to tell you. Just Google. You'll find the answers. So let's not debate yeah. about it. And it actually stopped the argument. So so yeah. it does work. <laughs> Your stuff yeah, does it work. Does. Like. <laughs> it does. It does. Now I've got to say the opposite of what I just said, because I, I said there are times when you have to stand up for yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. But what we don't use enough is listening. Uh, I truly believe that every relationship would improve if we all learned to listen more. And every relationship problem would find a solution if we were able to listen more. But because we're separate human beings, each wanting to be ourselves, often we go to the conflict when just trying to understand somebody else's point of view, 
because it's, it's wonderful, Hurricane. It's so wonderful to be living with somebody who you think you know well, and then they bring up something and you go, oh, I don't understand that. And then you listen and you listen to the whole background of whatever it is they've brought up. And it brings you into a whole new world and you feel closer to that person. And you haven't done anything. You've just listened and accepted that person the way that they are, which is quite amazing, but it can be hard to do. Well, I, listen, uh, listening is is a, is a tool, is a technique that's used in business, it's used in sales, it's used in a lot of yes. stuff. Uh, you, you got to listen and I'm talking not just here you got to really pay yes. attention like you know active listening right uh, yes and 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 I think that's sometimes if you speak too fast or you just jump into conclusions before you get the whole scope and story I think that's what causes you know the challenge and then it just escalates and it's over uh, before even <laughs> you were yeah, yeah that's right and, and I, I will say that um, on Amazon I have a book on listening it's a very small book, but it's particularly for relationships. But as you said, it's also useful for business because listening is a skill, which means you've got to practice it. <clears throat> it's like playing the piano or uh, dribbling in soccer. Uh, it, it doesn't come easy. You've actually got to practice it. And once you practice it, you get the benefits of what listening actually is. It's not just the knowledge. Well, thank you. Uh, Doctor, you mentioned something uh, that, that we've touched on also in the past, which is yeah. the the... The fact that we watch TV, that we are on the, the social media and stuff, we spend more time there than with the real relationships that we have. And, yeah. and I think that's 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 for your significant other as well as your family, sometimes your friends. I mean, I've seen people in restaurants and they don't even talk to each other. Everybody's looking at a, a, yeah. a you know, a tablet or a phone, which which like, what's the point? I mean, <laughs> you could have just, you know, taken different tables. I'm not judging, but but that that sometimes like I reflect on those things because I mean, obviously we do these 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 shows and things and I'm more aware of these. So I'm always looking. <laughs> and the funny yeah. part is like I see more of that, you know, everywhere. And it's amazing. Like you had people that texting each other side by side I, I see that my, my daughter does that they're sitting next yeah. to each other in the car and they're texting each other i mean yeah what happens to just talking <laughs> i guess they yeah. don't want me to me listen <laughs> yeah so so uh you <clears throat> this is one of my my pet things to talk about if you like hurricane how social media is getting in the way but it was shakespeare who said that they do not love who do not show their love and while you've got your head in a screen you're not showing the people close to you that you love them. Now, you can show people that you love them in many different ways. Uh, you can talk to them. You can hug them. You can do something for them. You can smile at them. Or there's a, a, a multitude of different ways to say, I love you. But I would encourage people to spend that time with people and just be there. Uh, I'd also say that people need to actually put it into words a lot more than is being done these days right? Because once you say that to somebody else, they go, oh my gosh, they actually love me. And uh, with a screen, it becomes much more difficult because you're not making eye contact with that person or you're not even facing that person. So, so thank you, doctor. I, I know we've spent quite a few, you know, quite a little time on, on the last couple of questions, but, but again, it's relevant to, to the theme of, of, of love and relationship. And again, Valentine's coming. So, so I, I do have one, one, yeah, I have one, one uh, comment that I was going to make based on the last chat we had, uh, you know, we had a little, if you remember, there was a, somebody put in a, <laughs> a notice, one of those sites that, you know, that was like sex, you know, uh, or adult type of connections or chat. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, so, so I know we talked about it briefly and you know, what, what is that about? I mean, it's, it's becoming more relevant on the social media. You, you get those things all over the place. I mean, they're bots, but, but it's, it's out there. And um, I mean, you'll see that if you go to TikTok and Instagram and stuff, there's a lot of that. And uh, you know, as much as they say, you know, there's, there's, community guidelines whatever you can see all these things happen i mean we were here live and then that's what came on my chat i just didn't want to display it but so so what's what's that i mean in terms of the psychiatry of it i mean it, it is it's almost like an okay. art right now or science or i don't know if it's an, a pandemic itself i don't know <laughs> uh yeah uh, so, so you're basically asking why is um uh why is our culture so sexualized and uh media so sexualized and solicitations. And yeah. yeah, yeah, and solicitations. Okay, so, all right, so in psychiatry, I've got to go back to Sigmund Freud. And look, there are, there are a lot of things that Freud talked about that we just don't believe anymore. 
But one thing he articulated that has standed firm, okay, and that is that we are motivated by things that are unconscious inside us. And he, he articulated that two of the main things that we are uh, driven by uh, is aggression. And, and so this is, you look at a whole lot of movies, you know, you look at the, the, the Westerns, you look at the adventure movies, you look at the uh, sci-fi movies, there's a lot of violence in some sort of form. And the other thing he said was sex. Now, when he said sex, he also meant creativity and love, but it is very basic in our nature to express our sexuality. And we are all sexual beings and we all have to come to terms with our sexuality. The thing about that is that if you just put up a sexual image or a sexual word, the brain, the so we're talking about the reticulator, uh, the reticular activating system in the brainstem, one of its programs is to notice sexual imagery because it is something that we respond to on a very deep brainstem level. And so it will catch our attention very, very quickly. And the media, social media is full of that because it is so immediate and it can capture our attention. Now, the things that are worthwhile in life is, let's say, and I'm not saying that sex is not worthwhile, okay, but to build up a relationship uh, in which you would express your sexuality, that takes work, that takes effort. And none of us actually want to put in the effort. We would all like the reward without the effort. However, if you want to be a good tennis player, and we've got the Australian Open happening here at the moment, one of the, one of the world's best, you've got to put in the effort, right? Uh, if you want to, uh, your team to be in the soccer finals, you've got to put in the effort. Then you get the rewards. If you want a good relationship, two people have to put in a whole lot of effort and one of the most amazing things about arguing is how good it feels afterwards. Afterwards, when you make up and you go, you know what, we understand each other more. You actually feel closer to somebody. But the point that I'm saying is that the reward comes after the effort. Play for uh, sort of work first, play later. Um, and there are a whole lot of things that are telling us that we have to put in effort first. Sexual gratification can come without too much effort if we just look at it on a screen. However, building a relationship with somebody, loving and trusting, and then building a sexual relationship that is satisfying for two people, that actually takes a lot of effort, but the rewards are greater. So the screen can entice us because there is something deep in us, as Freud articulated, that we respond to. However, to use that and to integrate that as part of ourselves to move on to something that is higher, worthwhile, and of good for somebody else and for a family and for all of society takes that effort, but the rewards are fantastic. Well, thank you, Doctor. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, I, I, I always listen to you and, and <laughs> try to get as much from it as possible. And it's amazing because the fact is you don't think about it, but it has been almost like a selling tool. I mean, you know, everything is. is 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 sexualized in a way to 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 get your attention somehow, somewhere. Whether it's products or or stuff. And now you got all these sites and you got all this stuff, and it, it just it's it's an industry. It's on its own, and uh, there's so much stuff going on. And yes. um, but but on so on the flip side of that, I mean, uh, the other question I would have is like, what motivates people sometimes to get into your feed and dump <laughs> that stuff into yours? We're talking about some valuable stuff and they just hit us with a chat about it. What do you do with them? I mean, it's like you ignore them, obviously, but but it's amazing how some people don't have, they, they just basically automate these things and they just go, I mean, that's, you see them on comments all the time. Like you get somebody yeah. that just crashes on your you know feed and, and puts some nasty comments or pictures or whatever it is. I mean, it's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, as you know, success in what we're doing right now is measured in the number of hits. And uh, there are a number of ways that you can get hits. And one of the fastest ways is to put up an image or a, a few words that will entice people just to click on you. And then you've got your number going up. I've seen uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and what you've done, Hurricane, is you've actually taken that and you've made it part of this show so we can have a discussion so that thousands of people can think about this. 
so that the next time they are, they're on a screen, they can go, you know what, maybe I should go work on my relationship a bit more. And that's how I will improve my life. Okay, because it has to do with being here in life for the long run, not just the next three minutes or the next hour or so, but to make sure that life is improving step by step each, each particular day. And that takes a lot of effort. But the rewards, Hurricane, the rewards are fantastic. Long-term rewards, I would say. <laughs> Long-term rewards, that's exactly right. <laughs> well, thank you, Doctor. I mean, again, I know we briefly talked about it the last time, and I just you know, I made a note about it. So thank you for, for, okay. for that. Yeah. Okay, but I do want to relate it to Valentine's Day, which is coming up, right? Yes. Because uh, we have studies to show that males in particular are confused about Valentine's Day, right? About what to do. And this actually brings together the whole idea of consumerism working against relationships because what the evidence shows is that females tend to put a lot of effort into Valentine's Day for a week or two beforehand. So it's starting now, okay? And the effort <laughs> is where am I going to go? Who's going to date me? What am I going to wear? How can I look attractive? And all of that is sexualized. And I don't want to say that there's anything wrong with that, but that's only part of a bigger whole. If the bigger whole of uh, Valentine's Day is to actually form a relationship, then you have to couple the consumerism with authenticity, right? And uh, so a lot of males, for example, will give gifts Valentine's Day out of a sense of obligation rather than actual token of love and affection. And the way through this is actually when you build up trust with somebody to actually talk about this. So if you... If you're on a first date, it's sort of like, you know, I'm not really into all of this. I really want to get to know you more. To say something like that is actual gold. Or if, if you sort of say, look, Valentine's Day means very little to me, but if you want to go for a walk with me out in the country and listen to the roosters, okay, let's take that walk, all right? Uh, so there's more authenticity and the focus is on the person and the person's character and the aim of a long-term relationship rather than short-term attraction. So that's just a little something to keep in mind as we prepare for the amazing catastrophe that Valentine's Day can be. Well, well so that, thank you for that. But but so there's there's a question that comes to mind. I mean, yes, you... If you're in a relationship, I mean, you don't have to wait for a particular day to to prove your love or, or your feelings, right? I mean, I think that's the, that's the thing you talked about consumerism, and and the idea here is that it's it's a one event a year. It's just like Father's Day, Mother's Day. Yeah. So I mean, you have the whole you, you have these people in front of you every day. So why yeah. one particular day? I mean, it was designed right. commercially, but but I mean. I think to your point is like people are going too crazy about like what's going to look like maybe to your point first first relationship you know just somebody that's getting to know each other and getting impressed but overall i mean if you're in a relationship you're married whatever the case may be you want to make sure that that's ongoing not just one one, one day a year we got to show love i did have a good day we'll see you in about a year from now 12 months away hurricane you're echoing the words of one couple that we interviewed that has been together over 60 years and we asked them what they thought of Valentine's Day. And they said, one day is not enough. You got to show them that you love them 365 days a year. And uh, that kind of sums it up. Uh, you've got to be on that journey for the long haul, not for the short term. So romance changes its meaning. It becomes deeper. Well, I think, I think uh, you know, we've covered quite a bit and we're just coming up to the end of the show here. So, Doc, I mean, I, you know, we have a lot more questions, so those will be tabled for the, the next one at the end of February. So uh, we look forward to that. Uh, thank you so much, Dr. Foot. Again, uh, super excellent, fantastic, awesome responses and, and insights that, you know, that uh, the folks that send the questions are taking. Of course, the people, the viewers and the listeners, the show is going to be evergreen. People are going to take it. It does get a lot of hits on, on the download. So, hey, I'm sure people are getting those nuggets and applying them somewhere. <laughs> so I certainly do. And, uh, you know, so thank you so much, Doctor, for, for all this. And uh, enjoy wherever you are, because it sounds like it's a beauty of nature. <laughs> well, thank you, Hurricane. Don't know when you'll hear the rooster again, but I'm sure you will at some stage.
Uh, yeah, I mean, we lose that 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 flavor here. I mean, unless you go to a farm, you're not gonna hear that stuff. Right <laughs> you know, you hear a lot of honking and a lot of noise, but not roosters. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe vultures. I don't know. But <laughs> all, all right. right, thanks for the work that you do, Hurricane. It's great stuff. Thank you, Doc. And thank you to everybody who listens to you. Oh yeah, <laughs> folks. As as you see, I mean, uh, please stay tuned for the next show. It will be on the last, uh, always last Friday of the month. So it'll be last friday of february so it would just post you know uh valentine's well maybe we touch base on how how the valentine's was <laughs> all right doctor have a great day okay all the best hurricane and we'll see you next month thank you bye-bye <laughs>